Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. This is a fun discussion today that I'm excited to dive right into. But overall, even before the discussion, I am doing very, very well. On a great workout kick, by the way. You'd oh, be very proud boy. of me. Yeah, when you see yourself on camera for nine straight hours and you start looking at your jowls from the side angle, uh, you start really, that, that workout cardio streak really gets an uptick. Uh, and that's what happened to me after checking myself out on YouTube for a couple hours. Well, you'll be happy to know that I pushed my final wedding suit fitting back a week. I was like, oh. you know, I was like, you know, I need a little bit more of a buffer between the like, Kansas City trip and, and fitting back into that. Thing. That's the actual reason is that I forgot our final uh, venue walkthrough was last Friday. <laughs> I like the I other one booked, better. but I I'm still taking the extra week, so I feel pretty good about that. Even though what, I ate what, an did you do a weight gain check after Kansas City? Actually, mine was set. Mine was seven pounds. Yeah, mine was probably in that range. Mine yeah. was probably in that range. I think it was like 180 when we left. I was probably like 187 when we got home. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, um, I was two, 231 when I left, 238 when I got back. And I, yeah, my um, goal is 225. So it's, we got a long way to go. I'm at my first checkpoint's your wedding. Then the second checkpoint's in or first week of July, my cousin's wedding. And then the third checkpoint will be like, okay, after, you know, paternity leave ends in July. And then we'll, then we'll see where we're at because I have no excuses to not get in shape this summer. <laughs> it's a co- constant battle against the barbecue. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> All right. Here's what we're doing today. Okay. We've alluded to this, I don't know, a hundred times <sighs> on the show over the last couple of months. Just this idea of where the NFC hierarchy sits right now. We thought about a few different ways to tackle this, and I think the most illustrative way is to look at the quarterback outlooks for all the NFC teams and loosely rank them as a way to kind of think about where the conference is as a whole. A few ground rules, because the moment I threw a little bit of red meat out onto the Twitter world, (laughs) uh, people were just already being like, well, what about this guy? And Okay. All right. Okay. Here's how we're going to rank these. These are three-year outlooks. Okay, so it's not just 2023. What is the three-year quarterback outlook for every single one of these franchises and the ranking associated with them? Some of these are going to be lower than our expectations for those teams are over those three years. We will talk about that. And we're going to use these rankings as kind of a springboard to discuss the nature of the NFC. So that is what we are going to do today. First thing I'll say, this is hard as shit. It was so hard. This was so hard. A- I, after the first couple, it's kind of through my hands up. We'll get there pretty quickly. I try to be pretty, like, Robert's pretty, you know, really good with the detailing out, and Beller, our producer, really good detailing out what we're talking about and laying it all out for me on Slack. And I'm on West Coast time, so I'm all, I always kind of get to it, like, after they've already, like, finalized what we're talking about. I'll have maybe one little thing, like, hey, can we talk about this or that? But pretty, usually pretty good. I can just go, okay, cool. That's the course we're going on. I can do that. Not today. Today I had questions. I had, I had, I was like, wait, this is not hitting my brain right now because this was really, really freaking hard. And I had to make it as little fat as possible to try and make it make sense in my brain. But it was fun to do, but it was terrifying to lay out these rankings because it's going to be interesting. Also, remember, situations is a part of this. That, that just, this is not just saying, oh, this quarterback is this. This is everything encompassing. That's how I looked at this. So I, I also want to, We'll throw that detail out there just because I looked at your Twitter. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. I think it's yeah. about extricating the quarterback from the situation as well yeah. in t- at times. And we'll discuss some examples of that. But yeah. and, then, you know, the biggest reason we're doing this is we're contrasting with the AFC. You know, we don't really have to do this exercise for the AFC because nope. you can get to 10 quarterbacks and you can talk about, you know, where those guys deserve to be and who should be in the top three and all of that. So I think yeah. this is a way to illustrate and discuss how wide open the NFC is. And I think this is the best way that we could get into it. So let's kick off the rankings. Who is number one for you in your NFC quarterback outlook rankings over the next three years? So 
I don't think this will be a huge surprise who I'm starting off with number one. And uh, anyone that's ever listened to the show, even one of our first ranking shows we ever did doing quarterbacks and their contracts, I'm going with Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Uh, he's under contract for two more years this year and one more. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, okay, now we're already getting to interesting territory here as for the parameters of this show. But I'm not saying Dak is a even a top four or five quarterback in the league. That's the thing about this discussion. That's where the NFC sits right now. But if I look at this rankings right now in May, Dak is my quarterback one. Uh, just for what he brings to the table, what he is. I know what he is like as a player. I don't think there's any questions about his ability. And I think he's going to have a pretty good situation this year. As I think some of the better weapons he's had in the last couple seasons as far as everybody, you know, Brandon Cooks, I really think is going to unlock for that a lot with that offense. I feel pretty good about the O line, as long, of course, with Tyron Smith being healthy. That's going to be the, always the caveat. But I'm 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 excited to watch Dak this year with a little bit a little bit more injection of weapons that, around him and maybe a more clear picture as far as an offense. Do you have the Eagles and Jalen Hurts at two? Yes. Okay. So do I. Okay. So here I had those two kind of in a little tier of their own, and we'll just we'll I explain agree. why. Here's the reason I had Jalen Hurts at one and Dak Prescott at two. The cost control over the next three years with Jalen Hurts and the certainty of what he's going to cost over that time, I just think that means the outlook and situation around the Eagles quarterback room is just a little bit more favorable than it is for Dak Prescott on the Cowboys, right? Totally understand. Jalen Hurts' contract is weird, and we should have known that from the moment that he signed it that we couldn't talk about it until all of the details were out. Essentially, have we haven't even talked about it yet. Like, yeah, let's yeah, let's dive into it. <laughs> well, so if you, if you look at the next three years specifically, right? Yeah. His cap hits are six point one million dollars, thirteen point six million dollars, and twenty two million dollars. And people might ask, how could you possibly do that after setting the new record for AAV in the history of the NFL? The answer is, I think, on a crude level, this level to which I understand it. The Eagles have built in the restructures that other teams would typically do anyway into the actual structure of the contract. So what happens is they have option bonuses later in the deal that as they kick in and they exercise them, they will prorate over the life of the deal, which is essentially what happens when teams decide to convert quarterback's base salary or any player's base salary into a signing bonus. So instead of having big base salaries and big roster bonuses like some other quarterbacks do, Patrick Mahomes is a very good example of this, the base salaries in Jalen Hurts' deal are all $1.4 million or less. So the way what they've done is they've essentially built the restructures in and kept the base, the actual cap hits low in the first few years. Of course, those are going to go way, 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 way up. In 2028, when you've exercised five more option bonuses and prorated that number five times onto that salary, it's going to be like $75 million. He's never going to play on that. They'll restructure before they do that the same way you do with a quarterback that you restructure as you go. So, But that being said, over the next three years, he still is going to make a combined $41.7 million against the cap. Okay, That is less... Then Daniel Jones will make against the cap in 2024 alone. The next three years for Jalen Hurts. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so I think way. that number and, yeah. again, the certainty and the cost certainty and the team-building flexibility they have around him combined with what we've seen from Jalen Hurts and the progression and the development from Jalen Hurts, that's why I'm giving them the slight edge. Yeah. I think Dak will be the Cowboys quarterback for the next three years, but we're looking at 27 this year, 59 next year, and then he's a free agent. So they're going to have to pay out like a good chunk of change at some point here in order to keep him. There's just a tiny bit less certainty. I think that as a quarterback, I'd still rather have Dak over Jalen Hurts, even if it's gotten a lot closer than it was before. That's that. Like If you said this a year ago, you'd be like, Say like we just knew if we were talking about Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott a year ago. Be like, really, we're even compare put him in the same tier. But the close, the fact that that gap has gotten so much smaller, and what you're saying about with the contract, even for me with Dak, he's only wrapped up for two more years, and it always goes up. Every new contract goes yeah. up. So that third year, it could probably they could probably manipulate it to be low. Like uh, when he signed the new deal, seventeen mil. Just over $17 million cap hit on his first year of the new deal. So it's like okay, they can maybe fudge that third year number, but still. It's going to be some math in there. There's going to be some funkiness with there. So I, I like what you're talking about. The certainty of it kind of takes that away or like eases that gap, I would say. But yeah, I have the Eagles number two and Jalen Hurts number two, just for all the reasons you laid out. And I, 
if we were just doing all encompassing situations, I think he has a, a pretty damn conducive situation for more success considering who they have under contract as far as pass catchers and uh succession plan and offensive line. And having Jeff Statland as your old line coach uh, really helps out a lot. May eases any uh, transition concerns that you might have there. Yeah, I think the situation combined with the quarterback specifically, yeah. there's really no comparison to any of the other teams in the NFC. Yeah. So I think that's the that's the best one. And people are going to be screaming at their computer about Dak Prescott. I, I feel like we've just gotten brain poisoned yeah. as like a football watching public about Dak Prescott. Over the last three years, okay, the last three seasons, 2021-22, here is the rankings NFL-wide in EPA per dropback. Patrick Mahomes is one. Josh Allen is two. Aaron Rodgers is three. Jimmy Purdy is four and five. That, that's what I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put them into one person, okay? And Dak is six. That's he's sixth. Yeah. Last year he was. Th- I know he threw a lot of interceptions last year. He was thirteenth in turnover worthy play percentage. It's just if if you watch all the picks too, like like half of them were a goofy tip things and like weird bonkers interceptions. So like I can't believe people keep like talking about that. If you want to say that Dak is the 10th best quarterback in the league, the 12th best quarterback in the league, you consider all the AFC guys too. That's fine. I, I, I That's the ranking that you want to throw out there. I'm totally comfortable with that. But in the NFC, I still think he has the mm-hmm. longest and best track record combined with the current outlook. What he's done and what he will likely do over the next three years, which is the time period we're considering here. He's 30 years old. He's under contract for two of those years. I assume he'll be back with the Cowboys for the third year. I still think that combination puts him number two on this list, not any further down than that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I consider him. I think we did our QB draft episode last year, and I draft him like eighth or ninth. And I think that's exactly where he is. And and especially with this contract, now it's actually pretty friendly overall. If you just look at all the deals, we're comparing him and Hertz, but just say overall, it's pretty, for what his play is. It's not too bad with everybody else getting these new deals. And of course, again, he's going to get one in a couple of years. But I'm glad you brought up over over time, like that. What is his ranking? Is QBR, EPA per play, success rate, and like last year, doing a little bit more creation stuff that he kind of tapped in early in his career, got away from it, and now it's come back to. Damn good player. I know. I know. I'm gonna. I'm. <laughs> I, I. I'm just a caricature of myself, just praising Dak all the time. But he is a good player, and it's kind of. It is gonna annoying sometimes up here. Like he's barely even average. They gotta bench him. They gotta find a new quarterback in the future. It's like, come on, guys. It's somewhere in the middle. That's exactly how it always ends up. I think he could be pretty good this year because yeah. I do think that the receiving core and I think the offensive line, I think they're in a position where Mike McCarthy notwithstanding and the new play caller, yeah. that being the main question, I still think that they could be pretty good this it's, year just based on the players they have on the field. It's the best i felt about their offensive line in a couple of years. And, and, and even, the pass catchers. And the pass catchers. It's the best situation he's had, with Zeke, even with Zeke gone. But if Tyron Smith is healthy, that's always the if. But at least they have other starters that are tangible. Tyler Biotish had his best season last year. He got an alternate Pro Bowler. Um, Terrence Steele, you know, keeps coming along at right tackle. I love Tyler Smith. He's the left guard this year, but is probably going to be the left tackle of the future. And I, I, that's a nice little group right there. And then all the pass catchers. And then they have this guy named Zach Martin who just keeps playing at a high level, which is it's pretty pretty nice situation for him. So interesting to see this this year with the Cowboys. Okay. Okay, here we go. We've done one and two. <laughs> now we can go a bunch of different directions. Yeah. I, it gets pretty weird at this point, which is why we're doing this. Yes. Because the middle is so naughty. And this isn't even in the middle. This is like close to the top. It's incredibly murky. So who is number three on this list for you? <sighs> I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to say Geno Smith is number three for me. And... <laughs> I guys, everyone that listened to this, anyone that gasps, I'm gasps, gasping with you. I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. I just like the situation he's in. His contract is pretty team friendly. He's it under really de- is. It's under deal for three years, so it was perfect for this discussion that we're doing. Just the situation that he's in. I like the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, and I, I just like. The whole makeup of that Seahawks offense, I'm very, very optimistic about, especially this year and next year. And then getting into that third year with their pass catchers, the offensive linemen they drafted, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, uh, the running backs, kind of a choose your adventure at tight end, but we'll talk about them later. But I just think Gino, yo, he, this was a top 10 passing offense last year. They're eighth in passing DVOA, fourth in success rate, kind of more middle, like 12th, 16th ish in like EPA per drop, drop back and explosive yeah, play rate. Yeah, they fell off in they the did. second half of the season. You know, they were really rolling They're early cooking. on, but 
even over the in the aggregate, it's still the numbers are still pretty good. Yeah, so uh, top ten ish, I would say offense, and I actually think that this passing game will be top six seven with the addition of JSN, just another year of cohesion, everybody together. So optimistic about Geno this year and next year. Am I saying that I would want him to build my whole team around day one? No, but for this situation that MC is in, I, I like where Geno's at. I like where the Seahawks are at. So going with them at the three spot, which I just cannot believe at the beginning of this exercise, which would not have been my answer, but it is right now. I have the Seahawks at five. Okay. Okay. So I'm not very far off from that. And it's for a lot of the reasons that you said. Yeah. You look at Geno's contract, 10 million, 31 million, 33.7 million over the good. next three years. Absolutely live with that yep. if he's the player that he was last year. Yes. And if he's not, then they have the ability to move on and pivot if they need Big to. Point. How they can find the next quarterback, I think, is a real question because I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And this might have been the best chance picking in the top five. Yep. The three of the guys were gone. So I still feel pretty good about Gino again in comparison to a lot of the other teams on this list. I had the Saints at three. Wow. And it's because of just track record. Like Derek Carr has been solid for a very long time. And so that's why I had them at three. I don't feel great about it. You could have them at six, seven with a couple of the other teams that we're going to talk about, but he's still only 32. So you're getting the ages 32, 33, and 34 seasons for Derek Carr here. Mm -hmm. It's a $7.2 million cap at this year, 35.7 next year, 45.7 in year three. And Derek Carr has floated around like the 14th to 16th yep. best quarterback in the league. And Corey, it's like every single metric that you're going to look at. So I just feel like the financial commitment they've made to him, how old he is, we're going to get three seasons of Derek Carr. And even if it's average quarterback play to slightly above average quarterback play over that stretch, you look at all the other teams on this list, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like you'll take that. And with Gino, the reason that Gino is five for me and the team at four is it's a little bit more complicated. So essentially the Saints and the Seahawks were in very similar situations for me. We just have more history with Derek Carr doing it. Like we got one year of Gino. And there's still part of me that's like, even if I'm optimistic about what he can be and the pieces that they have around him and the position that they've put him in, I'm still a little bit worried it. that this is going to be a flash in the pan thing. And with Derek Carr, even if we, we know, know what Derek Carr is. is. We know what yes. his floor is. <laughs> even if we, we know what Derek Carr is, and even if that is this slightly underwhelming knowledge, we sleep, at least we know. At least yeah. we have an idea of what he is year in and year out. And with Gino, there's just like that tinge of doubt because we haven't seen him for I get it. long. Totally get it. I had Derek in that situation in the fifth. So, so we I, just flipped them. We more or less flipped them. Yeah. And that that is uh kind of I'll just give my points here. I I it was one I actually had pretty low to start. And as I worked through it, I was like, ah, it's Derek. You know, we know what you're getting. It's just like what you're saying. Like the worst you're going to get out of Derek Carr is what? 18th best quarterback? That's like yeah, the worst. That's, that's his floor. Right. Yep. And then yep. his ceiling's what? The eighth best? You know, maybe 10th in a good situation. So it's like, that's Derek Carr. And that makes sense. He's that kind of quarterback that's that ground where you're just trying to, depending on the situation, but you know what he brings to the table. He's going to be smart. He's going to throw, he can make all the throws when he's you know pushed to do that. I think this offense will be good for him um, and what his strengths are as far as more under center, let him kind of manipulate things, be very cerebral that I think he can be at the quarterback position. So everything you just laid out, it's kind of a He's a sure thing. <laughs> and of that tier, that, and it's, a lot of these quarterbacks are not sure things. And that proven history kind of gives you that high floor or, or uh, what knowing what the floor is is not the worst thing in the world, especially what the Saints are. You know, this is how their team makeup is, makes a lot of sense for having a Derek Carr. Over the last four seasons, Derek Carr ranks 15th in EPA per drop back among quarterbacks with at least 500 passes. God. 15th. Okay. So that's, just like that's it, exactly it. it. <laughs> your eye tell you, it, mat- it matches what you want. It, yep. The expectations are right there. Okay. And there are guys on this list that have since retired, you know. Yep. So if you're looking at it, it's like 12 to 16, somewhere in there, most likely. So yep. that's where I'm at. So I had the Saints at three. At four, between the Saints and the Seahawks, yeah. I had Rams question mark. <laughs> because i just don't know what to do yeah okay we're not that far removed from matthew stafford being the sort of quarterback who could lift his team to a super bowl it was a few game stretch but there were long swaths of that 2021 season where that was the most efficient most explosive passing offense in the nfl yep and he was a huge part of that there's no bells and whistles there we're getting it empty we're dropping back and we're slinging this thing around they put a ton on his shoulders and the result was 
one of the best offenses in the NFL and an offense that for stretches of time could be the most dangerous unit on the field. And the question is, there are several questions. He is 35 years old. Mm -hmm. He has been banged up consistently. He missed a huge chunk of last season. Is this the last year we're going to get from Matthew Stafford? So all of those questions, I think, are completely legitimate. But if he does play two, three more years, and he plays even moderately close to what he can be, then he's absolutely worthy of being oh, in yeah. the top five of this conversation. Oh, yeah. But so I just didn't know what to do. That uh, I hate that we do this sometimes. I had the same ranking, and I, I, I hate us sometimes. <laughs> I hate it. I really do. I, I've Did you have the ellipses in the question mark though? Huh? I would dot dot dot. <laughs> dot. What's the what's the official term for that? Dot dot dot. Ellipses. Oh, yeah, ellipses. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also had that, but a question mark. Okay, I just went dot dot dot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everything you laid out. Uh, we got to remember how freaking awesome Stafford was two years ago, and he was still kind of sort of like that until the kind of elbow stuff was cro- cropping up, and you could tell his throwing style was changing a little bit, which is really funny, by the way, that they were saying, "Oh, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine," and then like a month ago, like you see, they announced they're like, "Yeah, he's actually a hundred percent now." It's like you guys said he was 100% last year. I'm like, I Dude, love, train camp last year. I love that. Uh, but no, it's it, it's the perception is the reality type of thing. But it's, it's everything you laid out with Stafford. You got to remember the high end play. I, he doesn't rely on his legs. So there's not that drop off as far as athleticism because mm-hmm. his game has been that true pocket passer for better, for worse. And you got to remember just how they, <laughs> like you said, how they laid it out. No, I've never seen a quarterback better against the Blitz. Than Stafford two years ago, just kind of how they play that empty stuff, and they're just gashing everybody. It was awesome. So right there with you, uh, it was too hard. I, I couldn't, even if I don't think this might be Stafford's last year. Even if with that in fact in my mind or that potential fact in my mind, I still look at Stafford. I'm like, yeah, he's still damn good though. So it's really if he does play two more years, I still think it's gonna be pretty damn good play. So right there with you. I, that's that's right where I had Stafford. Of course I did because we just can't help ourselves. <laughs> What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. All right. So one of the questions that I wanted to throw out as we went through this ranking is where the heater line exists. And let me describe what the heater line is. On our mailbag show earlier this week, we talked about some of the teams who have won Super Bowls without elite quarterbacks, you know, like truly elite year after year MVP candidate quarterbacks. And one of the ways that you can break through with one of those teams is that you can have a quarterback who is otherwise not great all the time go on an absolute fucking heater when the playoffs start. Mm -hmm. Stafford is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. He's already done it. Is this where your heater line is, or does it go a little bit lower for you? The team that if that quarterback gets hot in this version of the NFC, this team could at least go to the Super Bowl. Oof, I don't think the Rams are that close, but as a quarterback, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Rams probably aren't in that situation. Yeah, but, but Carr, yeah. Um, hold on, I'm just trying to look for who else we got. That's kind of it. There's going to be one guy that I have lower on the quarterback. It's kind of a weird situation. The situation might be conducive for him getting onto that heater. So we'll talk about when he comes up, I'll talk about him as far as him being at the quarterback heater line. Even if some of the quarterbacks are better than him, the situations might be worse. All right. So this next team for me at six 
I would sneak them in like just above the heater line, like ju- like just ahead of it. The false Flacco line is what also what we're calling the false Flacco line. Yes, yeah, it is the false Flacco line. Okay, yeah. I- I'm throwing this next team, ju- this next quarterback, just ahead of it. Okay, in part because I do have a lot of confidence in the situation and everything around him. So at six, I have the Lions. Okay, and that's exactly who I was talking about. I was okay. Jared, you have them a little bit lower. I do. Okay. I know. So I I have them at six. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the reasons that the couple teams are a little bit lower than them. I have me. them at eight. So just okay. To, yeah, so yeah. Per, so right in that same range. Yep. And I assume that maybe we flipped these teams again. So I have them at six. Jared Goff has two years left on his deal at about thirty million dollars per per year. They have that hand and hooker kind of backup plan potentially yep. if they need it. So they're a little bit different than even the Seahawks are because the Seahawks didn't draft that quarterback. They could do it next year. I mean, they have plenty of options to do it for the next three years. But I just think that the way that Jared Goff has played and what they ask him to be, that's a pretty good situation yeah. over the next couple of years at $30 million per year. You know, They can move on if they need to, but they're tied into a quarterback who has been good enough to kind of keep them afloat and keep them on pace to where they want to go. So that's why I had them at six, but this was not an easy one. I originally had them a little bit lower, but I just have some bigger questions about teams yeah. lower than this and just the amount of time we might see some of these guys that are one or two slots lower than this. And, and Goff is the perfect example of, I actually think, you know, this is the high end Goff is you, you see him like even last year, I believe he was kind of in this ranking of a lot of advanced metrics is about the sixth, seventh, eighth best quarterback when he like when everything's perfect around him. Um, but I, I, this is kind of like a perfect player to talk about the difference between the quarterback and the quarterback situation mm-hmm. and and i like golf and i think eighth is exactly how i view him as the quarterback in the nfc but i think his situation is more shoot you could even argue for third best or fourth best as far as everything that happens around him and that's why this like you said this range it's tough because you have to factor in some of these situations you have to think about the long and midterm with what's going to go on and what these guys can become what they've shown already that's why Derek Carr is maybe ranked higher because it's like, we know what Derek is. So that's yeah. kind of nice. That certainty is helpful. It is. You know, it can lock you into a certain ceiling. Yeah. But when a lot of these teams in the NFC don't have that high of ceilings, yes. it's not the damning reality yeah. that it might be in the AFC, for example. If Goff, their situation is, as I broke it down, is they they have, uh, you know, Frank Ragno under contract, you know, Penny Sewell is a star. And he's gonna—he's on a rookie deal right now. They have, you know, they have the left tackle sorted. Uh, Jackson's gonna be a free agent after this year, mm-hmm. but they have a decent Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson, thank you. The guard, left guard. Yes, <laughs> it's because I almost said Jeff Jackson for some reason. I don't know why, and so I stopped myself and just said Jackson. But anyways, uh, alliterative Jackson name is that he is—he's a good player. Already been a Pro Bowler. We're both fans of him as well. Uh, but a free agent after this year. Weapons wise, Amon St. Brown is a star. A second team all pro for you, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. Every advanced metric, and he was my first guy off, you know, uh, last, last one in or last one out, if you looked at like bracketology. Uh, but he is, you know, everything everything shows that he's a very, very damn good player. Tight ends, they have to figure out Sam Laporta. I like that. If they get more of Jameson Williams, I'm going to be even more optimistic. If he comes back from the six week suspension and hits the ground running, like literally runs that four three, and we see what he can, what he, we think he can be. I feel even a little bit better about it, but still, it's like they can have some stuff go wrong. They had a lot, like even though they had stuff go right for them last year, and they figured a lot of things out. They still were not five hundred. You know, they they still need a lot more to work at as far as just team encompassing that team. But this is an interesting situation and quarterback situation because I like golf. I like the situation. It's kind of hard to separate the two at times. It is. And, but yeah. it, I, again, I think he gives them what they need for yes. that position right yeah. now. Yeah. And that's why I feel decent about the quarterback situation over yeah. the next two, three years. And it, he's probably going to be there for two. Like that's what he's under contract for, but they have a lot of flexibility. So no. the six, seven, eight was tough for me. So who'd you have at six if you had the Lions at eight? <sighs> this is where I get a little hot take ish here. Uh, I'm going with Justin Fields. And I know. And this is because, and I want people to stick Man. with me here is what he showed as a runner last year. I think the improvement that he's in, people got to realize how shit that situation was around him. And I know it's like, I'm a fan of him and people think I make excuses. I've been avoiding Justin Fields discussions for a lot of time right now. Me like, too, for different reasons. For months. I think the last time I kind of talked about him on this pod was when we did the Thursday live or the Monday live show or Thursday live show, whatever it was when they played the commanders. And it was one night game. It was Thursday. It was Thursday, yeah. right? Yeah. And, 
I think I haven't really talked about him since then. Yes, he's shown more as a runner. I will still have to see what he can be as a passer, but I am optimistic. I think Luke Getze is knows what he is and is going to get the most out of him. I like the situation has improved that tier, but this is it. This is the thing and why I have this rank so high. The Bears have a pretty damn good off-ramp if it doesn't work out. They have those first-rounders. They have capital. If they want to move up, if they field sucks this year and they – they might they might have a top ten pick and another high pick because the you know the Panthers first round selection with a rookie quarterback that can be some ammo to move up to maybe get into that range to get one of the top guys so that's why I have this Bears situation and Justin Fields up here so high I am optimistic about Fields I think he's going to take a leap forward this year I really do because of the situation around him what he is as a player but the Bears also have a good situation in case they need to get away from it that's insane. It's way too high. It's way too high. There's so many. There are too many things that are uncertain yeah. for me for them to be that high. Okay, we don't know what he's gonna be. If you can, I, I am, I am tepidly optimistic. I think that they have done a very good job of pre- presenting him and providing him with enough stuff for him to take that step. And we'll see what happens. But we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's gonna be able to. And I think that he still has a long way to go as a passer and just operating in that way for me to feel comfortable enough to put him that high on the list. And the other thing is we don't know what's going to happen with those picks. No, I there's a, there, there is a chance that the Cardinals have the first pick. Okay. The bucks have the second pick and both of those teams just decide we're, we're taking the yeah. quarterbacks like, or the Raiders have the second pick, whatever, you know, two teams that need quarterbacks are picking that high. And the bears are sitting there being like, Oh man, we'd love to trade up and get one, but there's not, a, we just can't do it. So I think there's enough uncertainty where they're a little bit lower for me. I still have them at 10. Okay. I, I have them 10th because I do feel like he's shown enough that you can create a little bit of excitement around that. But I still think that there are teams between the Lions and them that I've seen it at a decent enough clip and I've seen it for long enough that I feel better about where they are compared to where the Bears are. It's just that if we want, I feel like sometimes the rookie QB contract stuff is. We forget that what an advantage it is, even if the quarterback's average. And I think that is if Fields as he's, a, he hasn't been average though. He mm, as an all encompassing player, he was the offense last year. It looked like a high school team where it's just like, hey, get the best ball in the best player's hands and let him go. I, I think I think sometimes I know this is hard. You're a huge Bears fan, and and I know you're <laughs> attached, and I know what they put you through. I really do. It's just that I do think there's more glimpses there than people even give him credit for. That situation was just so, so bad. And it took until the second half of the year for them to go, okay, let's use you as a runner. Let's get rid of that fucking quick game that we're doing. So let's just get you pushing the ball a little bit. And I think it's not, it wasn't perfect, but there were so many glimpses there where I was like, okay, they're figuring this out. That last year was a redshirt year. It was He's taking two redshirt years. He's taking a gray shirt and a redshirt. And I think he's got the COVID year <laughs> as a pro. And I think that's where I... I I'm optimistic as I'm a player, but I think they have put a good situation around him that even if he is slightly above average, slightly, I'm saying 14th best quarterback on that deal, I'll take him over a lot of these other quarterbacks with what they can do with that. It's not a bad argument. If yeah. you're throwing the rookie quarterback thing, the rookie quarterback contract thing out there and like what he has to be in order to, yeah. for you to get value not even out saying of that. Pro bowler. I'm it's, just actually, saying. it's actually a good point. Yeah. I honest, I also I this is a stupid reason. The last Detroit game is like burned into my mind. It was so bad. It was, it was so ugly. And so if there was the kind pick of a before linear, half, right? Like it was uh, so gross. He yeah. was finished seven of twenty one. He yeah. took seven sacks, like on twenty eight dropbacks. Yeah. It just it, it was a it was a rough it was. game. And so that I'm, you're hoping to kind of see more linear progression from him where it's like, all right, by the end of the year, we felt really good about where he was. And it wasn't that, you know, it was more up and down mm-hmm. than that. And again, I, I am, I think it can be much, much better that the situation is so much better so than much it was better. last year. Okay. We've the bears have DJ Moore, chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney as their top three receivers. Last year at this time, it was Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle and Equiminius St. Brown. Okay. It, it's unbelievable. Don't forget Nikhil Harry. <laughs> Nikhil Harry is in there somewhere. They oh. Braxton Jones was a fifth round rookie being dropped in as the left tackle. They now have a top ten pick that's their right tackle. They went out and signed Nate Davis. You know, Tevin Jenkins, I think, showed that he can play. Yeah. Like the situation is so, so much better. And that's beyond even considering how much progress he's probably made mentally. Yeah. You're know, talking to guys there. We I chat was on Hogan Johns this morning talking about this and 
having conversations during training camp about where he was, he didn't even know where to look. Yeah. Like when they would walk to the line of scrimmage. He was starting from square one last year. And so heading into year two of the same system, you can start building on it. It's a lot of the same stuff we said about Jalen Hurts last year. Yeah. And I don't know if, if we're going to see that sort of leap, but I do think that we can see a lot of progress. It's just still such an unknown to me it that is. it's hard for me to get there. Oh, this was me kind of taking a bet here. And, and yeah, it's, I it's, like uh, it. Yeah, no, it's you listen. I'll be thrilled if you're right. Okay. Right. I'll be I will be over the moon if you're right. And and him as a thrower, it's frustrated me because when I watched him coming out of Ohio State, this is why I was so high on him. And I'll revisit this, you know, probably after this year is that he's he was so accurate and that, you know, he had some of the, the bounce stuff, bounced too much. And that, that was part of the offense, but he still has kind of done that as a pro. And when I did see this past season, when it was good game situations, good game scripts, or they weren't just getting their butts kicked left and right, I was like, okay. You're, it's clicking. It's not perfect. There's times where he was looking and I'm like, your hot read's not over there, buddy. Like, <laughs> you got to go to the other side. Like, and so that's a little worrisome. But then there was like November, that stretch in November made me feel a little bit better. And that's him as a thrower. And that's not even talking about him as a runner, which is just fantastic and a floor lifter. It's, I really do think he's going to take another leap forward this year. I and mean, again, not saying Pro Bowl or anything like that, but more like, okay, this guy has what we want, what we want to build around. So that's, I am, I'm just optimistic, even if this is kind of a little uh, plant flag or plant <laughs> flag planning right now. Who's seven for you? Uh, Kyler. <laughs> that's I just straight, at, just straight quarterback. Like <laughs> I had them at nine. Yeah. And it mostly because his, his injury health, history, that's the, the health that's, outlook, I think is you have to take it into account. Yeah. And also he's expensive. Yes. Right. So he has like a $52 million cap hit next year. And so I didn't really know what to do with them either I because no idea. he's a better quarterback yep. than Jared Goff yep. and Daniel Jones yep. and you know a lot of the other guys that we're going to talk about here. But there's just so many things that you're not sure about with him and that is beyond the situation one of the reasons i also think you can put the cardinals a little bit higher on this list is that they're going to be in a position potentially maybe even a more certain position mm-hmm. to move in a different direction quarterback wise than even a team like the bears that has two first round picks next year i had them at nine but i didn't really feel all that good about it i started kyler a little higher because i was just like okay kyler Throw yeah, those deep he's balls. Be- hey, he's Kyle. better. Yeah. yeah, Kyle. And then every time I kind of like went through each team that he got dropped a little lower and lower, I felt pretty good where he ended up at seven. But that was also, you know, the injury history, the now it's becoming a thing. And that was a concern because of his size. And now it really is a thing. Now it's there's proof that he's getting hurt. And now also, you know, some of the leadership concerns, I think, may be a thing, too, where it's like they might just choose the exit out of this in a year or two. So that's another thing you have to consider, like you mentioned with them having a high pick. So, But I still just like Kyler, the player, when he is healthy, when he is on the field, and the situation is in total crap. I just think that he has that ability. But yeah, it really, that's that's the muck that we're in right now. It's really, really hard. You said you had them where? You had them where? Nine. Nine, okay. And then you had Fields 10? Okay. At Fields 10. Okay, so what So what rank were we out for you? Where? Seven. Okay, which was? The Giants with a question mark. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, it was just funny. <laughs> That's exactly where he uh so that would have been hold on two one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have them ten. Okay. So, yeah. And then I have a sp- I have another spicy one thrown in here as well. <laughs> I have them at seven. Okay. I don't feel great about it. Right. So let, let's let's talk about this. In actuality, they're probably closer to nine or ten and where they should be. Yeah. But my team at eight is the Vikings. Yeah. Kirk Cousins has one year left on his deal. Yeah. I have no idea who the quarterback for the Vikings is going to be heading into next year. I think that if we're looking at the Flacco Foles line, I don't know if the Vikings team is good enough to even get them to this position. Yeah. But Kirk Cousins is absolutely good enough to go on a heater and get you yes. to the Super Bowl in this version of the NFC. He's the epitome like, of that. He 100% <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. So th- this is the one that, for me, was a disconnect between where they are on the list and the heater potential. Yeah. So that all that being said, there's one more year. Well, he, this is the final year of his deal. They pushed some money, but they did not extend him. And he's 34 so right now? He's 34. Yeah. So they're looking at an uncertain next couple of years. And that's why I had them blow the giants. We just talked about the questions with Kyler. 
So with the Giants and Daniel Jones, it's like, I'm not overly optimistic about Daniel Jones compared to some of these mm-hmm. other quarterbacks, but he's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. They have him under contract for the next three years, and we have seen the Giants field an above-average offense with Daniel Jones and no one for Daniel Jones to throw the ball to. Exactly. So, Daniel Jones at seven. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're in. So, like, any fans of these guys and these teams, like, don't, like, don't jump down our throats. I'm trying to sift through this, too, because wait till you guys hear what number nine is for me. Uh, But that, no, I I get that with Daniel Jones. Even at first, I had him lower, and I kept bumping him up because I was like, okay, I'm a little hard on him, but I like also... Hopefully, my Kafka stays there for a, a while because that's mm-hmm. also. But the thing is, even if he leaves, the head coach can call plays. And it's like, yeah, okay. That is not as. That's why I feel a little bit more apprehensive about the Lions because if Ben, ben Johnson, Johnson goes, leaves, oh boy. Not sure what we're doing there. That's, that's, that's a much bigger question for me. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we want to know why Amon Ross St. Brown breaks out like he does because Ben Johnson knows how to dial up plays for him. He's he's awesome, guys. Like anyone that hasn't watched the Lions offense, I know some people are kind of sick of it, but they do a lot of fun things on that offense. But even but looking at the Giants, just going back to that, I said, if you feel like this is where I haven't used this meme in a while. But this is where the Disco Stew meme comes in. And if you feel like Disco Stew and pointing at that graph that's just going up forever, feel pretty damn good about Daniel Jones with some better weapons. You know, kind of feel a little better about that. Uh, but being more realistic, receiver-wise, they took a lot of flyers. You know, I, I know they Jalen Hyatt, of course. If Isaiah Hodgins keeps ascending, okay, I'm feeling a little better. Tight ends, they took a flyer on Darren Waller. Okay, all right, all right. Offensive line, though. This is similar to the Bears conversation, though. It it's is. Much I know. better than it was last year. <laughs> Even if you got question marks, it's much better than it was a year ago. It's both went from, I know, Bears went from, like, you know, I always say shit to not shit. It's like, but Giants went from, like, below average-ish to average-ish. Like, that's kind of <laughs> kind of what they did. Um, Eric Gray, I like. The, the guy they drafted at running back. So, the situation is actually, it's better. It's not great, but it's better. And if you do think Daniel Jones, those glimpses of what he was asked to do, they, they kind of put some training wheels on him, but he excelled with those training wheels. So, mm-hmm. I want to see him this year if there's a little bit more openness with the offense, which I think they can do. I think that's why Kafka was so smart. He didn't, he knew what he had. So, he wasn't going like, oh, I'm I'm wheeling dealing like I, I have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Let's do this. It's he understood what he had. So if they open it up a little bit more, I'd feel even better about the ranking. But I totally get why why he has to be up there because what else he got? If you're talking yourself into this, the way that you would do it is we saw the floor last year. What could the ceiling or two steps beyond the floor be? Yeah. So if the floor is what we got last season, putting him at seven, I think is totally fine. Yeah. And I think the floor is probably pretty close to what we got from him last year in this situation with this coaching staff. Yeah. So that's why I had them there because I've seen what it's like just at a baseline level. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to build in some optimism about where it could go, I think he probably deserves to be around here. It's funny because Daniel Jones has been my kind of kind of sort of comparison for Justin Fields. So you're saying where that was the Giants and Bears, but good athlete, big, strong athlete, could throw the ball a mile, but not always accurately. And, you know, sometimes it's too much of a big game hunter that takes a little too long to get rid of the ball. So they've kind of been a kind of sort of comparison. So it's kind of funny. There's some parallels between the teams as well. All right, so eight, I had the Vikings. Right, yeah. Again, the Kirk Cousins yeah. reasons. One, and then nine, I had the Cardinals. So who'd you have at eight? Uh, well, eight, I had Goff. Okay, oh, perfect. Okay, yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. seven, Kyler, eight. Okay, this one, bear with me here. I went with Jordan Love and the Packers, and this is this is a bit of a heat check here, but it's the youngest team in the NFL, and they have a damn good offensive line. So why I'm bringing up that when talking about Jordan Love, he's going to have a chance here to at least not only this year to sit and work from the pocket, like I talked about Fields and not being able to work on what he wanted to do because the pockets were crap. He can do that. The weapons are all, they're young. They are they have that capital P word, potential. Uh, so there's some optimism there if you want to go with that. But what I've seen from Jordan Love, and this was starting when I took a visit there to training camp. And this is just one practice. I watched Jordan Love and I was all right, some footwork stuff's cleaned up for you. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep like put a pin in that. We'll, we'll just see. And then you start hearing, they're like, oh, no, we're pretty high on them now. We're, we like them. And that's not just because they're in Rogers stuff. This was just out, outward what I've heard. But throughout the season, the glimpse in the Eagles game when he had to play, a couple nice plays there. And so I am pretty, I haven't talked about Jordan Love, I think, at all, really on this podcast. 
I'm actually pretty excited to see him because I am pretty high on him. Even if he's barely even seen him play, I'm pretty excited to see what, what he's going to be on the field this year, but also just the situation around him. They kind of, you know, Christian Watson was force fed touches, but did show great flashes, but I don't know. I think with Jordan Love, if he hits this year, even if he's somewhat average-ish, they can get him on a nice deal afterwards. You know, I know he's only on this basically a one-year contract, but after that, they can kind of work with that because if he doesn't blow the doors off, they don't have to pay him a ton of money. So they can be in a decent situation as far as that. So going with Jordan Love. Again, I have no idea what I'm doing with this, but that's where I'm going with at number nine. I am at 13. I, okay. He threw 21 passes last year. I know. He's, he, he doesn't, he's not under contract after next season. I only season. have one game to watch. <laughs> I, I, he's, at, he's at 13. Yeah. And that is honestly just because of draft pedigree compared to the, some of the guys that he's ahead of on yeah. this list. Yeah. But I, I just couldn't put him any higher than that because we I haven't seen it. enough. So you had Daniel Jones at 10. We've already talked about yeah. that. So let's get to 11. Talking about guys we haven't even seen. I had the Panthers at 11. <laughs> I have I have Panthers at twelve because I have cousins at eleven, so Kevin gotcha. Vikings okay. eleven. Yeah, this tier, it, all these tiers are just really tough guys. <laughs> I have the Panthers at eleven because Bryce Young was the number one pick, yep. and I think Bryce Young is a very exciting player. So even if we've seen less of Bryce Young than we've seen of Jordan Love and of Desmond Ritter and of the guys on the other teams that we're going to talk about, I still feel better about the Panthers quarterback outlook just because of what type of prospect Bryce yeah. Young is compared to some of the other guys on this list. But it's insane that he's 11 and we've never seen him play. Never seen him play. It, uh, but the pedigree, the investment they have in him, it's like, I, hey, at least I know what your guys' plan is. <laughs> so I know what you guys are doing for the next four years. Unless, you know, Tepper fires everybody. Uh, like that's At least I know it. And I like the situation. I like the offensive line. I like the play caller. Like, I think there's in a good spot. I, I, good so spot. we'll talk about some of the other things, considerations with yeah. Bryce here in a second. But I had them at 11. I had, the, had Jordan Love at a 13. I had the Niners at 12. Okay. Because I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. know. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess Brock Purdy looked fine. He has one arm now. What's Trey Lance, who turned 23 today, by the way? Trey Lance did. Oh 23 years old, Trey Lance. That's that situation, I just don't, I don't know what to make of it. So yeah. I had them squashed between a rookie I've never seen and Bryce Young at 11, and a guy that threw 21 passes last year and Jordan Love at 13. I had Bryce Young at 12, and then and Panthers. I had Ritter at 13 because just you know whatever. Whatever. I had them at four. I had them at fourteen. Okay, and then I had Forty Niners at fourteen, and, and my my Forty Niners wasn't even just Forty Niners as my bullet point. It just said Purdy question mark, Darnold question mark, Lance question mark, <laughs> like each one with more question marks after each one. So that's how I sum up the Forty Niners. I don't know what they're doing, but they have Kyle Shanahan and pretty good surroundings. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen. I had Washington and then the Bucks at sixteen. That's what I had because at least I don't know what Sam Howell is. Commander. That these were the first two I filled out was Bucks at sixteen, Commanders at fifteen, and then that's all I said. Uh, uh, question marks after all those as well. Actually, the whole bottom is just a bunch of question marks. <laughs> so I think we wanted to do the quarterbacks just because the quarterback is the most important position in football, and it also I think is the biggest departure from what the AFC is. Yeah, if you're lining up the two conferences, it's the quarterbacks that make them feel so distinctly different. Absolutely, but I think it's very important right after doing that ranking to talk about. Which teams and the team outlooks are the furthest removed from those quarterback rankings, right? So I have the Niners and their quarterback situation at 12 on these rankings. Right now, the San Francisco 49ers have the second best odds to win the NFC. We do not know who their starting quarterback is going to be next season. Oh, and, and or how then, long Brock Purdy and, will be on the bench. The we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. And then even looking at the group, if you just didn't know anything about him, it's an injury riddled number three overall pick that's barely played football in five years. It's Sam Darnold, who has statistically been one of the worst quarterbacks in recent memory. And then you got a former Mr. Irrelevant in his second year, and he might be the best option. And they're the second favorite that kind of talks about the rest of their situation more than it does whatever quarterback is lining up behind center. And if you look at the odds, so on BetMGM, the Eagles are plus 275, the Niners are plus 350, and then the Cowboys are third at plus 650. So it's really the Niners and the Eagles in their own little tier there at the top. And I don't mind that. No. And that's what their quarterback situation being 12. So that's easily Easily. the biggest departure for both of us of where the team is compared to the quarterback. And that is the most unique situation – with that position in the NFL. 
the idea that the Niners have built this quarterback agnostic machine that is the second best team in the NFC, according to the oddsmakers heading into the season, is insane. Yeah, it, 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 it should not be possible when you think about the way that the modern NFL works. Yep. And I, I have big questions about the Niners. Steve Wilkes is there. We have no idea what the defensive transition is going to be like. This is the first time they've gone to someone that wasn't on the staff. D'Amico Ryans was clearly a star. So we'll see what that's like. You know, the offense, how much longer can they keep doing this? Can they? Maybe. But I I have more questions than those odds would seem to indicate. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like they deserve to be in the top three or four, or at least be considered a playoff team in the NFC, even when you consider those questions about the quarterback situation. I mean, if you – someone – like, we get this. I I know I get it sometimes not a day-to-day, but when people talk to me about it, they're like, oh, who do you like from the NFC? And you list off the three teams. You go Eagles, and then it's kind of – Cowboys and Niners, and really that's it. And that's all I can kind of mention off the top of my head. And that kind of it makes sense. Uh, but it's also you said quarterback kind of agnostic team, and even usually a Kyle Shanahan offense could be O-line agnostic. And last year was one of the better O-lines that he's had in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And they've hit on a couple guys. And I think that's all great. It's just interesting. It's just such an interesting team dynamic uh that can live this way and not only live this way, thrive this way, go to NFC championship games, but having, you know, Jake Brendel having a career year. Now he's under contract. And then they hit on Spencer Burford at guard. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize Trent Williams contract went through 2026, by the way. I, I, I just signed him to a massive deal. I knew they did, but it just goes on forever. Uh, It was, it was like that old uh, ABA deal where the spirits of St. Louis or whatever it was, they got the, and perpetuity or about the but they got the TV rights for, for forever. That's a Trent Williams 49ers contract. They just get it for a year and year 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 after year after year. But uh yeah, it's just an interesting situation with the 49ers because it's just so unique, especially in the NFL and how all the other teams are structured. So the Niners are the furthest removed from the quarterback rankings, their team outlook rankings, what they those would look like. The Lions are probably in the same conversation yep. to me. Right. True so if the Lions are sixth for me on this list quarterback wise, they probably deserve to be fourth in like a team outlook rankings in terms of what they could be in the NFC this year. I mean, they had a top five offense by pretty much any metric you want to look at last season, and they have some pretty decent pieces coming back, and their defense should be much, much better. So even if I'm, I have some questions about Mm -hmm. how the Lions went about this offseason, I still feel like they're going to be in the mix in the NFC, even with Jared Goff at six here. So that one is a little bit of a gap for me. Yeah, I was going to say, well, Goff, I have like the eighth quarterback, so I was even lower on you, and I agree completely that their team situation is about fourth. So it's kind of, yeah, I'm the exact same boat as you. Those were the two teams that I thought for this exercise. The Giants a little bit, just because I think that their long-term outlook, Mm -hmm. I feel pretty optimistic about. I just like the people in charge. I think that, you know, Brian Dable has done a very good job. So even if I'm not thrilled about what Daniel Jones' ceiling might look like, they really are committed to him for the next two years. Yeah. So what the Giants kind of three, four, five-year outlook is, that I think I feel a little bit better about than this ranking and this conversation might indicate. Going in the other direction, the Rams, yeah. question mark? <laughs> yes. The team situation is way on the other end of this, I, right? Even if you feel good about McVay, the rest of the roster is has a lot of questions I think to, I be, to be generous. I think just in the, if we did it team based, you know, and I'm just considering the quarterback and the quarterback's fourth on my ranking. So that that's all you need to know. Just that discrepancy between those two. He could retire. Oh, yeah. I mean, Stafford could just retire after this. Look year. Look at all the so. other positions. Like the receiver, it's cup and the cupettes. And then Higby's a free agent after this year. The old line's like, you know, even at their best is like a B unit, B plus unit. And they're kind of, their contracts are kind of, you know, a couple of years, but not like a real long-term plan. So actually they're okay. They're O-line wise, but just weapon wise, they have no running backs essentially. So just the surroundings could be, they could drop off a cliff so quick. All right. So those are the, the teams that we feel like, again, their outlook for this season, even for the next couple of years are the furthest removed from how you would rank the quarterback specifically. Well, who are the guys that when we look back on this in a year, we'll be like, man, I cannot believe that this guy was 11th a year ago compared to what the way that we think about him now. I mean, if one of those NFC North guys hits, you know, Fields or Love, and they're like, also like, oh my God, what a revelation those two were. I mean, a rookie quarterback like Bryce Young, if he if he plays I well. I think the pa- Panthers are the easiest, easiest one. Easiest one, right? right? Like there is, it is not hard to imagine a world 
where we have the Panthers written in pen in three at three. Yeah. If we did this exercise a year from now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not crazy the, at all. At all. Look at the rest of their situation. It's pretty damn good. Like they're yeah. set up okay. If Rice Young hits, they're on a good path. So that's the easiest one. Yeah. I mean, I think they could make a leap into if there's like a huge cutoff after the top two. They could jump ahead of oh, the yeah. cutoff easily. Yep. And I, so that's the first one that I had. And Bears Packers, literally, I said Bears, comma Packers. Funny. Like it just very similar situations yeah. in that we could be looking at each of those guys a yep. lot differently than we do right now because of the seasons that they could have. Mm-hmm. Those are the three I had for this. That it's that's uh, Bears and Packers, I could just easily see. You know, again, that Packers roster does have some talent. It's just so young. And I don't think they're going to be blowing the doors off anybody this year, but they could surprise some people because of that young talent and a good offensive line. So I could obviously see a Jordan Love being pretty decent. Everyone going like, wow, they made a right choice there. Got rid of Rodgers. Wow. And then same with Fields. Just those glimpses become more consistent. And of course, that's what everyone's hoping for. Uh, but yeah, those are the three teams I looked at as like, wow, they're in a much better situation. Of course, the other one is the Falcons. Desmond Ritter. If Desmond Ritter turns out to just be average-ish, wow, that's a Third round pick contract that they're paying yep. for average quarterback play. Look at that situation. Look at the rest. Of- wow, good thing they invested all those skill guys in the top ten that everyone's raking on <laughs> or roasting them about. The offensive lines in a decent situation. Of course, the running backs are so not a bad situation there as well. If Ritter actually ends up hitting, and you got three years with Ritter. So yeah. last year was his rookie year. You got this year, and you have two more yep. cheap years after it. So that three year outlook, if he does click into place, could be really good. Yeah. The other teams I had here are the candidates to be picking at the top of the 2024 draft. Yeah. Like there is a chance that even if we've never seen those guys play, that if Caleb Williams is on the Bucks next season, they're not 16th. No. I don't know how they are, but they're not 16th. Right. If Drake May is on the Washington football team next season, I don't think they're 15th. Right. They're not third, but they're not 15th. Right. So those are the teams and then the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, if they, if the Cardinals, even if they had Caleb Williams, they'd still probably be like ninth, but we could feel much different about the Cardinals quarterback outlook a year from now than we do at this moment, depending how the season goes. When they can use their 40 draft picks they have next year. It's like, yes. that's the, this Cardinals year, they're punting on it on purpose, basically. And so we'll, we'll, we'll revisit them in a year and we're probably feeling a lot better with the, the path that they're going on. So, but no, that's great calls because any of those guys, any of those teams can pick a top guy. And we'll, just like we said with Bryce Young being, in the middle of the pack of this ranking right now. It's like, that's how we'll talk about these guys next year. The candidates to be much lower Mm -hmm. a year from now. We already touched on the Rams. Yeah. Are there a couple others for you that we think that maybe they'll in their top 10 now, but there'll be considerably lower next year, potentially. I mean, Shoot, if Derek Carr like really doesn't do much, then it's like, oh, wow, wow, I yep. can't believe we ranked him so high. You know, that's that's one. Even Gino, same boat with Gino. Gino turn- coming back to Earth was my next one after said, the Rams. I said Gino turning into a pumpkin was what I wrote, but that was the one. I have him ranked third, so it's you know that could be even dropping off to tenth will be a big drop off. So, um, yeah, those I, are the same two. thing for the Lions to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if. We talked about it, like the lack of weapons that they added, you know, the fact that James Williams is going to be out for six games, maybe the offensive line's a little bit dinged up a tackle in a way it wasn't before. And those circumstances that Jared Goff got to play in last year become a little bit worse. Do we think of him a little bit differently? Are we at a point a year from now where we're saying, man, the Lions really have to upgrade a quarterback, whether that's Hendon Hooker or something else? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've done a really good job with him. I think he's played pretty well for them, but I think you can picture it happening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's <laughs> you can easily see where it's, oh man, those, some of those balls are intercepted. Some bad luck happens. And then those 50, 50 kind of plays or no one else is just making a play for them. You know, that's always a thing too. It's like, yeah, they, they're going to have Marvin Jones running out there trying to make plays for them. They don't have tight ends. They had TJ Hawkinson for half the year. Was he overwhelming for them? No, but it was still a guy, you know, somebody that was valid in the passing game. And of course they, you know, they have Gibbs and they side David Montgomery, who I do like, but can easily see Jared Goff and maybe that Lions offense taking a half step back as more film has gotten out of them on them and what they try to do. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I actually am pretty high on that offense, but we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see. Vikings as well. Hmm. I mean, eh. Kirk Cousins might not be there. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they could go from eight to the bottom, depending on who yeah. they end up getting. But they could get, they could be higher. Yeah. And there's a chance they upgrade a quarterback this offseason, yep. depending on like the big a move they could make. So they're a team that they're a candidate to be a lot, just a lot different than they are right now. Yeah. Vikings, uh, too, is that I could see any outcome this season. I'd believe it. <laughs> and, and they might get caught in the middle where they're like, 
you know, too decent to fail. And then they get that like 16th, 18th pick and then, you know, 17th pick don't make the playoffs, but they also aren't high enough to take a QB of the future and can be in a tough situation. And it's like, Hey, Hey Kirk, you want to come back for one more year? You know, you want to just keep doing this one year, one year at a time. We'll just, you know, pay as it goes. So yeah, it's a terrifying timeline. That whole Vikings. I'm fascinated to watch the Vikings, not just this year, but the next two, three years, because what they're trying to do with that team is just really, really interesting. All right. That was fun. So why does this conversation matter? Okay. Why do this? Why think about the NFC this way? And I think it's because we've talked about how wide open it feels. And I think this is a way to understand that. Yep. And when you look at those two quarterbacks at the top, or that the way that we would rank it, and you think about all the uncertainty afterward, it really does feel like with a couple breaks, a lot of teams could be in the mix here. And I think a lot of teams built that way. Yep. You know, I think the Saints thought that way. I think the Giants thought that way, bringing back Daniel Jones. The Seahawks, I think, are thinking along those same lines with the way that they've done things this offseason. You know, the Lions, I think, are like, all right, well, why can't we yeah. kind of break through among this group considering how wide open it feels? And if you do this exercise and you actually look at the landscape of the entire conference, even if that's very dangerous thinking and it's short-term thinking and it might hamstring you down the line, you can understand it in the short term because of the way that this thing is stacked up. That's it. We keep talking about these teams and even after free agency was going, the draft was going and we were joking about it. It's like, hey, this is wide open though. Like the AFC is a bloodbath. Everybody knows that. It's There's like 10 teams that are damn good teams that are going to be fighting for seven spots to get to the dance. And with the NFC, it's more like, there's only two or three that I feel four, maybe that I feel decent about the rest of those five, six, seven spots are wide, wide open. So why not push it? Even just a half measure, just push a little bit just to see if we can make a run and get to the dance. Like that's why I'm pretty high on the Seahawks this year because they're just their team makeup. And even if they don't have a ton of defensive answers right now, they've done a little bit to help them out um, drafting free agency. I could see them making noise because it's who else? Absolutely. Because you just, you look at it and you go, who else? Like who else are these guys that are going to get beat up by? So that's where I just keep coming back to these teams. Even the Panthers can like be better with a rookie quarterback just because their situation is pretty decent. And then who else? Like that's, you just got to go through each of these teams. They absolutely could win that division. Oh yeah. Absolutely. With a rookie quarterback. Yeah. The saints, if the saints defense continues to be elite, which again, at some point you think they'll probably take a step back. They've, done a great job of staving that off. Dennis Allen deserves a ton of credit. If they can stay elite on defense and they can get Derek Carr levels of quarterback play with some of the weapons that they put together, that offensive line is still pretty decent. They could be in the mix. So I think there are a lot. You can make the case for a lot of these teams, at least being in the conversation in the NFC. And the Seahawks are one that we've seen what happens when they get hot. We've seen what happens when Geno goes on one of those runs. And the infrastructure they have on offense, the pieces they've added on defense. I mean, again, you get back to that that Foles-Flacco line, and there are at least three or four different quarterbacks yep. outside of these the top two that we talked about that I think are in the conversation to be over that line and make their team – make things interesting in the postseason if they were to get there. Absolutely. Uh, it's – that's what – you just have to go – get to the dance and then go on a run. And usually – some or no, I should say usually yeah usually it's kind of tied in together it's like who who gets to the dance usually the ones with the best quarterbacks who go on a run usually the ones with the best quarterbacks but it doesn't mean always anyone can outplay anybody in any given game like that happens it happens all the time it happens for three weeks it happens for four weeks so you never know who's gonna have a hot month who's gonna have a hot January so that's why this NFC is gonna be fascinating and why some of the moves I was a little more tolerant of when some people were being a little more aggressive or pushing for some stuff or making moves, the same signing Derek Carr. It was kind of like, Oh, aren't you guys going to rip out the bandaid at one point? But it's like, you look at the makeup of the league, the conference here. Okay. I get it. I kind of get it. Another team. And I know I bring them up on every pod, but the Falcons, if Ritter's okay. And that offense goes gangbusters, they can win the division. Like I, I I mean, I'm not saying they are, but I'm just saying this is, that's how wide open it is that anyone can get to the dance this year. And who knows goes on a run. The Colts, I think, looked at their two quarterback options available at four, and they went for the 500-foot, like, towering yeah. home run potential because those are the types of guys you have to play against in the AFC. Like, the considerations and the path to get there in that conference is just very different than what it looks like in the NFC right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that doing it this way and looking at the quarterbacks this way and looking at the landscape this way really helps us understand that. And I think that's why we wanted to do it. 
I just listed a quarterback with 20 throws in his career as like the ninth best quarterback of his conference over a guy that had his career year in Daniel Jones. <laughs> so you had, you, you had the Bears and Justin Fields at six. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> hey, we're projecting, projecting for 2023. So we'll see. I, I tilted the shoulder up a little bit. Maybe not 500 feet like an Anthony Richardson pick, but maybe about 410. Get over the left center ball. Oh, God, I really hope it, it happens. Just to fling is that it, thing out on If the anyone home. listened to these shows, they'd be like, man, Nate Tice is a huge Bears fan. And like, he really has to tone down his homer. Why does Robert hate the Bears so Robert much? Robert hates the Bears. He must be a Packers fan. You know, oh, man. No, no he's a Vikings it, it fan. Would, wouldn't good. be the first time I've heard it, man. Would not be the first time I've heard it. <laughs> you appreciate good football play. That's that's all it is. But uh, yeah, but that that's. I just want to say, it's like some of these sound hot takey, but that's what the NFC is. There's a lot of multiverses this year. There's a lot of a lot of paths I can see these teams going down where a lot of it makes sense, where it's easy to talk yourself into the glass half full projection and the glass half empty one. And that's why this was so fun to do, especially with you, because it was just talking about all the angles of this. The nice part about this is even though we just ranked the quarterback situations and looked at three-year outlooks and contracts and stuff, we can still do the quarterback draft because most of the quarterbacks we're going to draft in that are in the AFC. So we didn't step on that. So we will do the quarterback draft at some point over the next month or so. Can't wait. Uh, It's, you know, just one of those things that, you know, again, I'll be going on my honeymoon, but we'll be doing shows while I'm gone. So I think that's one of the ones that we will probably roll out. And thankfully the AFC has given us enough options where we can still do it and not step on the conversation that we just had. Uh. All right. That is all we've got. Just a reminder mailbag recording later this week please send in your questions if you have not the email is athleticfootballshow at gmail.com the voicemail if you want to call us and leave a message is 872-222-7073 one more time 872-222-7073 Uh, You guys have done a great job of populating that inbox with great stuff. We're looking forward to it again. We will be back on Friday with another show. In the meantime, please check out the Football GM with Mike Sando and Randy Muir coming your way on Thursdays. That is all we have for now. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.